Sounds good. Yes, I'm ready. By which I mean I have Wikipedia, the Wikipedia summary, and a willingness to wing it. <laughs> I have faith in you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> All yeah. right. I did not do any of the prep for this one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even have a guess name here. <laughs> no, I'm uh, All right. Let's talk about Scream. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the, oh no, it's the sequel to the re-sequel, the sequel to the requel. Baby, it's a franchise now. It's Scream 6. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Hey, how you doing? This New Yorker gives Scream 6 to everything bagels with extra schmear. <laughs> Doesn't get it's better than that. New York tonight. I'm, I'm not going to do that voice the whole podcast, I promise. <laughs> Can you I, keep- I, Will you be I, able to stop yourself? I can't promise I won't bust it out an inappropriate amount of times, though. <laughs> <laughs> and our cinnamon roll of Cenobites, Emily Martin, is off tonight, headed out to a con. But with us taking her place, we have two progressively horrified all-stars, Ron Kelly Say and TJ Finnessy. Guys, it's so great to have you here. Yeah, I'm always happy to be back. Yeah, Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here, Bronwyn. And it would not be a progressively horrified scream episode without you, TJ. That's true. I know. And this is our last one for now. For For now. now. For now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, unless unless we gotta, we we get, we we just like really need to see you, and we'll just start talking about the TV show. You know, turns out, (laughs) turns out that the scream franchise is now facing the most fearful like the most terrifying slasher of all fucking hollywood executives scream seven yeah, we know there's a huge it's history a... of seven being a great chapter in horror franchises <laughs> i mean everybody loves any... the jason where he fights carrie for some reason i'll tell you this much <sighs> scream in new york does way better than jason takes manhattan like oh, I yeah. talked on this podcast about how I want more urban horror and location of horror. This it this is what I'm talking about. I, I do is... love that that opening, like the opening bit. At one point, he is watching Jason takes Manhattan. Uh, yes, just, that's great. Into the background. And can like, we talk this... about that bus scene with all of the different references, all the characters, all the costumes? Or the, sorry, the subway, Ooh. not the bus. Yeah, that, that must have been glory. a nightmare to clear, yeah. is all I can think. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about, we do have our directors, Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette coming back. This is written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busiek. They also credit is, you know, written by Kevin Williamson. He is still on here as an executive producer, which I'm always happy to see. Because you know he he did create at least one character that's in this movie, um, <laughs> and she he created Kirby too. <laughs> yeah, Kirby too. Sure. Don't forget her. Yeah, yeah. Because we we do get the return of Gail Weathers, who is here to tell us that Sydney's okay. not coming. <laughs> okay, I need to tell you about watching this movie 
in theaters because yes, TJ got me like a early pass to go see it a few days before it officially came out, and that's some hot girl shit there. You're TJ. welcome. It was I very hot. Down. It was very hot girl. I shit. was like, TJ, I'm not amazing. in New York, but I know Ben is. So TJ, you're worked ama- out. TJ, you're amazing, and I love you. And I don't know what group this was through, but this was like this Scream Six showing was the hot, trendy like manhattan like gay lifestyle event like (laughs) of the evening all of the hottest trendiest manhattan gays were at this opening of scream six and let me tell you in my entire life the two biggest applause moments i have ever seen in a theater in no particular order (laughs) captain america wielding mjolnir in hands game (laughs) And the first appearance of Gail Weathers in Scream 6. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe it. I... That theater struck when Courtney Cox appeared on screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, yeah, we do get a lot of returns in this movie, more than usual for a Scream film, because we do have Courtney Cox back as Gail Weathers. But we do have the, uh, they'll call him this later, the core four. Melissa Barrera, Sam Carpenter, Jenna Ortega as Tara Carpenter, Jasmine Savoy Brown as Mindy Meeks Martin, and Mason Gooding as Chad Meeks Martin. We do also get a couple of other returns. We get not alive, but the return of of Billy Loomis, his daughter from Beyond the Grave. Incredible. (laughs) Also, can we appreciate that in this particular universe? And in only this universe, but in this universe, Ghost Billy is a great dad. Right? Ghost Billy <laughs> has never steered Sam wrong. All of his advice Ghost has been Billy's on like, the Ghost Billy's like, you mold. got this, honey. All I am facing just happened, you. It just so happens that all of her advice that she needed happens to involve stabbing. And he is on that. Like, he's very heated. Good choice, honey. Like, he, this is a That's ghost a dad weapon. that is always encouraging her to kill, but she lives in a world where killing is almost always the best strategy. Yeah. Now, uh, we do have two more returns. Of course, Roger Jackson's still doing the voice. And then uh, we have Hayden Pantieri coming back as Kirby Reed from, from Scream 4. It was great seeing Kirby back. We didn't get on canon, like on-screen Kirby queerness, but I do feel her entire scene with Mindy was just the two of them looking at each other going, I know what you are. We were just not so awkwardly distant as far as the age goes. Mm -mm, Yeah. yeah, Also, if Mindy's, spoilers, Mindy's girlfriend hadn't horrifically died earlier in the movie. Oh, horrifically. (laughs) No, I took it as like, you're the new me, how gay are you? What's your movie? Right? Are, are you gay enough to be me? And Mindy was right. like, She's oh. like, I approve. I got Mindy's this. like, did you not see my Lavender Menace t-shirt earlier in the film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we do we do also have a couple of fresh faces here. I, I wouldn't say Dermot Mulroney's face is particularly <laughs> fresh in this film. Oh my god, but that always was Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> but I'm always happy to see Dermot Mulroney in something because if nothing else, I then get to say the syllables Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. And that's really fun to say out loud. It looks it is, like he's yeah. already walked in out of like an episode of The Wire or, you know, a several <laughs> day long cop movie by the point he appears in this movie. He, he looks like he's been through it. Uh, Look, he understood Mulroney, the assignment. 
again, spoilers, Dermot Mulroney might be the most obvious killer in this whole fucking series. No, you know who was the most obvious killer in the series? I have it in my notes. I literally wrote it down. Quinn. Suspect number one. <laughs> yeah, that is Quinn Bailey being played by Liana Liberato. We also have Jack Champion playing Ethan Landry, who is uh, roommate for Chad. Well, uh, we... the only one I didn't call. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I said, I'll be disappointed if he is. So <laughs> I, I will say I got a third right in that I got Detective Dad. I really thought they were setting up a big twist where it was going to be Jenna Ortega was Ghostface. I was I hoping really, for it. I didn't I, think so, but I was hoping. With oh, the wholesomeness of Core 4 and the Tara Chad romance, I really thought it was all fucking set up yep. for like, she's the killer. She's got a fucked up killer. That's the father daughter choice for seven, especially if you want to pivot because then Tara does the killing in seven and then Sammy supports her. <laughs> I just, I, that I, doubt. I, I feel like, like six would have been the, you know, I wish Chad, Mindy or Tara would have been the killer in this one. Cause now I feel like I know them too well. So if they do something like that in seven, I'd be like, eh, I don't know if I believe that. I believe it of Tara. The core four bond like is too strong. They can't be against each other. That's I could see I some. I could see you with someone becoming like a vigilante Dexter ghost face to killing other ghost faces. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I see core four as the killers. I <laughs> see. <laughs> you got a high steam and a steam. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, we also have Devin Nakoda as Annika Kyoko, who is Mindy's ill-fated oh. girlfriend. Oh, I will say, I will say, as of these movies, black characters start having a bit better surviving streak. In fact, in Scream, generally, black characters do pretty well. Asian characters, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, we do have, I feel like, a special guest appearance by Samara Weaving guest starring Samara Weaving's real accent in a movie, yes. which is not something yeah. you right? see very often. Yeah. Also proving, we've once seen why she is an absolute modern day screen queen. Yes. Oh, thousand she percent. crushes that one role. And we've also got, what's fucking Flash Thompson, Tony Revolori. Oh, and speaking it was of, a really good of intro. various Marvel characters, we also have Josh Segarra as uh, Cute Boy or Danny Brackett. That is also uh, known as Pug from She-Hulk. Right! Oh, I forgot. Oh, I knew he was that's familiar. A, that's a weird way of saying Lance from the other two. I was gonna say. No, nope. <laughs> I said it couldn't right. not see him as Lance from the other He's two. Lance. He's so Lance in this movie. I love. But if they him ever ghost face that, if they ever oh. ghost faced him, you know he could pull out villain role because he was fucking Prometheus in Arrow, and he's amazing. So All he's right, amazing really good. In Arrow. I mean, spoilers okay. for season five of Arrow, by the way. The Sorry, best that, part that was about... a legit. That was a legitimately good twist. If you ever going in fresh on Arrow season five, I can't uh, imagine a know. scenario in which I would go in and intentionally watch Arrow at this point in my life, especially season five. But um... it was one of the good ones. <laughs> two and five, two and five are worth watching. Yeah, but then you have to get to season five. No, thank you. <laughs> I did but not no, make seriously, it season one, so that's not going to happen. I thought that the cute boy. The whole cute boy arc of this was so refreshing to see in a horror movie in general, but in stream in particular, because wow, non-toxic male energy in a horror movie. 
I'm telling you, if you haven't seen the other two, like that he is like that is his whole fucking brand. He is the most himbo of himbos in the other two. Yeah, he's good. Also, he has a he has a, a manly energy. He's got his mm-hmm. little growl, and you know he's a he's a big buff guy. Mm-hmm. But he is also both as both in here and in She Hulk, and I, I haven't seen the other two. But um, he's like, so specializes strong. in non toxic. He's mm-hmm. so strong, but the muscles are there to hold you better. <laughs> exactly. I wanted him to die when I watched this, but I had never <laughs> seen him in anything else. And now that I've seen him in other things, I'm like, oh no, I'm glad he lived. So it's, now he uh, can die in the I next one. I will say, my now love for Danny Lance is based on just my love of this actor in other things. So yeah. I will say that Danny Rowe, while being a very nice bit of very positive, not toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. uh, is it's a bit of a nothing of a character, especially compared to like Core 4, Kirby, Oh, Gale. yeah. But it was mm-hmm. nice to see a horror yeah. movie put the effort into displaying some non-toxic masculinity. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought also, he was a goner when we got that shirtless scene. I was like, oh, oh he, yeah. He's, he's done for. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. no. They, they saved that for Gail's boy toy. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, I did not see I that. Had, I, know, I didn't that see that coming. I didn't gets... see his presence coming, if I'm being honest. I'm like, Gail has a boy toy. And she's mooning over Dewey still. And like, I just, yeah. Well, I think it's very telling that this man's face is never shown in focus on camera. Right? Does he I ever even it, get a name? Like, I don't think he does. It's very visible. It's very visual language showing this man's importance in Gail's life. <laughs> I think his name is Brooks, if I'm looking at this correctly in the credits. But uh, I don't know sure if that's his first name or last name. I'm sure his younger sister is going to be like Mindy's love interest in <laughs> Scream 9. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, recap time. It Go is. for it. Yeah. One year after the events of Scream 5, both in-universe and in real life, because they made this movie real fucking fast. And they are now at Blackmore University, a fictional university that is either in the Bronx or in the ass end of Brooklyn, because those are the only places with subway stations that only have the two and five trains. It's an like insane it. location. They are that is easily like a forty-five minute like distance to Manhattan. Crazy. <laughs> Did you guys catch the Omega Beta Zeta Easter egg in the college scene at the beginning? What is that an Easter egg too? So in Scream Two, Sarah Michelle Geller keeps answering the phone and she says Omega Beta Zeta. That's the the, the group she's a part of in her college. I did not. Oh, and I, yeah. oh. and that's the why... guy hitting on Tara is like, "Are you gonna join Omega Beta Zeta?" And she's like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm so glad that man's balls got testicled. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that whole scene was glorious. She's like, hi, I'm Sammy. I'm just going to I'm just going to taste your balls real quick. okay?" (laughs) I will say Sam's Tara's impassioned plea for her own agency gives me so it's mixed feelings, too. I'm like. Damn, everyone's got a point here. Yeah. Like later, she's just like, thank you for not letting me go up the stairs. I'm like, yes. Yes, because <laughs> you have the right to make your own choices and you've had the right to make really terrible choices. But there is a point at which you lose the capacity to really make great choices. And that's when you want your friends around to be like, no, hon. Yep. I'm all about your own agency, but not when you're wasted. (laughs) Speaking of bad choices, film professor Laura Crane has been online dating. 
yeah. where she is lured into a classic New York alley, of which I'm pretty sure there's like one of, and that exists on like Canal Street, and I think they only keep it around for like because it's used in like filming constantly. <laughs> but still, it's a great alley kill scene. It's what I want from New York. She where look, wow, Laura Crane is murdered by her profet- by her student Jason Carvey who is wearing a ghost face costume, determined to become the new ghost face and finish the movie Richie started. However, before him and his roommate Greg can even hatch their real plan to kill Sam and Tara Carpenter and finish the movie, they are hacked to pieces by a completely different, seemingly unrelated ghost face who gives an absolute mic drop of a fucking line with (laughs) who gives a fuck about movies (laughs) before just fucking slashing and like fucking Flash Thompson to Bart. You you feel like a meat? This was the first time I'd seen this one and like in those first like 10 minutes of the movie I was like oh it's fucking on like it is on. There was some serious overkill. You know she she comes in and she's like you're like, oh, this this is a character who's going to die. Like she is much too famous to continue in this movie as you know, in the famous Samara Weaving beginning show- of a scream. <laughs> yeah. Samara yeah. Weaving showing up in the opening scene to a scream movie. Oh, she fucked. We yeah, all and know then, where this is going. And then the this, fact this is that a he, classic Drew Barrymore situation. Exactly. The fact that you get the ghost face and he immediately pulls off his mask. I was like, What? Just, yeah. But you know who ghost Great. face is already. And Great twist. Like, Oh no! <laughs> Fuck that! He's dead. Also, yeah. he's uh, mm-hmm. got a roommate in a freezer, and he's so douchey. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> oh my god! There is a line I think Mindy had about him when they're describing what's his face. Yes. Yeah, Jason Carvey. Mindy describes it as the one obsessed with Argento, which is a <laughs> film deep cut that made me laugh so fucking hard. But she didn't say the one. The chud she referred to. Him oh yeah, I the chud <laughs> obsessed. Poor Chento. It was all the way I around. Never would have fucking gotten uh, before you dragged me into this amazing podcast, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that opening. I love that it really breaks the mold. And at my first time viewing, of course, you're like, "Where's this going?" Like, I always wanted them to do where you find out who one of the killers is, and then like throughout the movie, you know they're in on it, but the it, characters don't. But so I was like, where's this going? Are they going to do that? And then, yeah, I just loved what they did. It was really, really clever. It really loved it. Encapsulates this movie as a whole in that mm-hmm. absolutely hits all of the fountain, like the foundational beats I want from an entry in the franchise while also finding ways to push it in new directions and new heights and yeah, add yeah. more twists. And-, and that really is the movie in, in some like this. Like, God, this really is the film where, like, the torch I felt got passed to that next generation in the core four. I agree. Because especially, like, especially after five, like, it's not that I didn't like five. I did. I There were a lot of elements of five that I enjoyed. I loved six a lot more. Because yeah, I feel agreed. like there five was unbalanced in the way that six really walked that line perfectly, where it was self-referential enough to be scream but it pushed the boundaries enough to be new and interesting and 
we were familiar with the characters, but not like so familiar with the characters. So you had still had to build that kind of rapport and that caring about them. And you did. And then you were worried about them dying and oh no. And like, so it just, it's it managed to balance that, a lot. You yeah. Know? That Scream 6 really chose to focus so hard on those mm-hmm. uh, care, on those pre-existing survivors yeah so i agree six is way better i think it's the better movie but it couldn't exist without five yeah totally with that with that groundwork yeah i I think i think a lot of that has to do with pulling some of the like dramatic impetus of the movie off of melissa barrera and sort of spreading it across the main four i definitely want to just talk shit about melissa barrero for like an hour but five has so many like dramatic music cue as she finds out that she's the daughter of this killer and like we good okay. i'm like <laughs> maybe jeremy has an update i'm gonna go check the twitter dms and all i see is a message from jeremy saying fuckity fuck <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate that's right it's a good thing i stopped everyone welcome back have, to the podcast update i have wine now let's talk about scream oh, six good. cheers <laughs> all right Oh my god! I just realized that my glass matches my dress. That was completely unintentional. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, you are so fucking be... stylish and fashionable. Oh, oh. I'm just wearing a no. fucking shitty Yankees t-shirt because I'm lazy. <laughs> you look amazing. Ah, oh. I have to doll up because I know I'm going to be hanging with you guys. I'm just and... wearing my wicked tour shirt from going to see you, Wicked Missouri last week. You caught me on a day where I did not have time to dress up. Slash, I'm dealing with a dying grandma, so I did not dress up. Yeah, look, you are still always Barbie. Aww. <laughs> Gorgeous. All right. Okay, so are we recording? I Theoretically. We <laughs> I've reversed my screens on me, so I'm just trying to just try to survive here. The, little the first lady part's in my good. Said... <laughs> like, it definitely saved the first part. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to have to cool. load it up on the other computer and Send half of this to myself somewhere else so we can <laughs> put this shit all together. Oh my god. Oh no. poor Alicia. <laughs> what she volunteered for. <laughs> she crazy. Right? All right. Where do we leave off about Melissa Barrera? Um yes. she's fine. It is hard to keep up with Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, and Jenna Ortega. Like Yeah. The- the other three sides of the core four are really fucking strong young actors. I mean, like, to be fair, they also made, like, Hayden Panettiere look less skilled than she looks <laughs> in other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, I some of it may have been directorial choices, but... Oh, look, I do think Kirby's character could have improved by if she once again had a gay-ass haircut. Oh yeah, yeah. Her haircut not gay enough in this movie. I will say that. No, but she did rock a killer pantsuit. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I will defend. I'm gonna be the Melissa Barrera defender because I feel like she would got a lot of shit for the fifth movie, and it, a lot of it wasn't her fault. And people wanted her to be Sydney, and she wasn't. I feel like while the script was good, it wasn't doing her any favors because they were trying to make her character so many things. And then, like you said, directorial choices, like, she just was so bland in Five up until the ending. And I feel like that was a choice. 
because mm-hmm. she was fine at the end. And then I think she really did a great job in this movie, though. And I, I just this, thought she was a badass. This movie does establish that one of my favorite new staples of the franchise is the Sam Stabathon finale. Yeah, <laughs> it was great in five. It's great in six. I now love it when Sam just fucking goes full go like Billy Loomis' daughter on the villain and does this like 30 stabs in a minute. It's amazing. Yeah, like, I, I love it. I like her as Sam. I do. I think it's hard to do anything when you're cast against Jenna Ortega, who has the weirdest ability to roll nat 20s every single time she rolls for charisma. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell? Yeah. Every time she comes on screen, I get gayer. I That's like, I find myself, <laughs> I, I definitely find myself in the middle here in that I like uh, Melissa Barrera. I definitely like her as Sam, especially in this sixth movie a lot, like a lot more than in five. Mm-hmm. I definitely think she's got more comfortable with the role and the writing was sharper and more yeah. dynamic for, sure. for the role. But I also can say that, like, yep, she's just as good as these other three. No, she's not. Actors. Right. That's fair. But, but I think she's better than she gets credit for. But there's also, for me, a difference between, like, Sammy and Feral Sammy. And Sammy yeah. is sort of like, okay. And Feral Sammy is, oh, you're my favorite. Oh, which is just stabbing dudes. <laughs> Anyway, she has that look in her eye when she's I, just like, oh, I'm going to get my kill on. And I'm like, I, yes, I'm here for it. I think, and, and this is something that uh, Alicia was pointing out as we were watching it, too. There's there's also a directorial issue here with, like, they feel the need to drop dramatic music cues in places that don't oh. need them. Oh, no. There's a lot yeah. of, like, real, like, this is serious, important stuff. And that was really prevalent in five. And... Makes a comeback in a few places in six. We get Kirby's sort of like <laughs> entrance music in this, which is like unneeded. Like we were already making noise. You didn't this wildly to... disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I like I understand where you're coming from with the music choices. And they definitely are like it is sort of um production or directorial choice, like a hundred percent. But I think that's part of that balancing act between like the nostalgia and the self-referential humor and like the all being part of the franchises, like because the Scream franchise has always been about kind of making fun of horror to some degree, you know, and horror movies specifically and all of the tropes associated that like some of that sort of dramatic music choices and some of these questionable directorial choices are part of that self-referential humor. Like to me, that was my experience with the movie, so. Well, like while again I found it unbalanced in five, I found it much better balanced in six. I honestly never thought about the music in this movie besides the Demi Lovato song. <laughs> I wouldn't um, be able to pick a Demi Lovato song out of the I sky. I mostly just but... think about the insane <laughs> oh soundtrack of three. I'm still thinking yeah. about three's insane fucking. If soundtrack. it isn't Red Right Hand, I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, during those, it's in here twice. Uh-huh. <laughs> during our recording last time, I think. Jeremy, it might have been you, maybe Emily too, talking about the lack of bops of great songs in the fifth one. And I was like, no, in the next one, there's a couple good ones. So I was talking about the Demi Lovato song at the end with the credits and the, oh, that's a bop for sure. And the like at the near the beginning when it cuts to the right before the therapy scene, I think, and it's like in my head, I think is the song. Okay, we yeah. need to talk about the therapy scene. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. So 
The this recap's minute. not happening, Jeremy. No, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, do keep in mind, the two of you are the ones you said you wanted to be out of here at 11. So just... Um, <laughs> we're moving through the plot. Yeah. The therapy scene, though. Can Okay. So again, with He's the... not good. He's a, he's a bad shrink. Bad therapist. If that had been, like, first therapy appointment with that therapist, I could have been like, okay, I get it. I get it. Because bad chemistry with a therapist, you have to make it through at least a session or maybe even two to kind of figure it out. But he let straight up said that they've been seeing each other for six months. I'm like, there is no way that woman sees that therapist, that white ass old man therapist for six months. Nope. Because that guy is mansplaining everything. He is not like he literally just looked at it and said, I'm going to need some details. And then recoiled immediately <laughs> as soon as she gave him details. Like that was the, the most oh my god i'm not even a therapist i've just spent 40 years in therapy so <laughs> I, that I man do want to mention, is getting like... killed and clutch that man does two things get killed and clutch pearls you might as well call him martha wayne well and this is it like <laughs> honest to god like the minute he put on those silky sateen pajamas i was like well honey this is your death scene so rock it out oh when it <laughs> oh when he's watching the horror movie and then the tv literally yells you're next so right <laughs> <before> he, <laughs> through the nose. that was the opportunity for the directors and everyone to give us a big old solid wink and the this is our this is our extra moment. We're being extra here. <laughs> I do love that like they have the several moments in this where people are watching horror movies because it's scream. And the, you know, we get the beginning with the like shitty kids, the shitty film kids watching Jason Takes Manhattan. But then we we get the like snooty psychologist watching the original body snatchers. Like <laughs> he's, he's watching the original invasion of the body snatchers. Um, of course he is. So like yeah, I that that worked for me. I think it it is interesting to me. You mentioned how like weird a choice it is to have him as like a therapist that's been doing this with her for a while. I think something that this movie, I don't know if it if it's an accident of casting or if it's intentional that there are so many like people of color in the main cast, but specifically that our two sisters are are both Latina, and then we also have a cute boy who is Latino, and we have. I mean, we all, they're much more obvious about the fact that the twins are black. That's in the script. But like the fact that both Melissa Barrera and, uh, oh, geez, the, the both Jenna the sisters Ortega. are Jenna Ortega, yeah, Jenna Ortega yeah. or, or Latina. Respect and, like, her name. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the one. And the Give us the mea culpas that we have earned. <laughs> yeah. They just don't say it. And. It doesn't feel like there's any, like, I don't know, ear for that in the writing at all, which is, it's a small thing ultimately, but it's a, a thing that, I don't know, feels off, especially in this scene, like you're saying. Yeah, like, there was just, there was, I didn't buy, that threw me out a little bit, like, in a way that I was like, is this intentional? Like, are we supposed to, like, I know this guy's going to die, obviously, but I, like, also, I get the impression that I am supposed to hate him immediately. Mm -hmm. like does it need oh, to be yeah. quite that dissonant you know i don't know but that was there was a choice that was a choice to make that guy her therapist when kirby was like wait so she killed her own alibi and stole her file yeah why would she do good. that that makes no sense yeah <laughs> yeah you you mentioned we have the debbie lovato song still alive in there which is also produced by mike shinoda who has another song in this uh that's a real lincoln parkathon in here because he's got 
in my head, which uh, yeah, as well. Um, it's a good one. Can we talk about this straight oh, out? Oh, of- oh, as far as other good one, we do also have two shorts <laughs> below the whistle, and and we have girl in red on this soundtrack, which I think really Ooh, like oh. do really love establishes the clearness of this, you, and then I of course we have Billie Eilish in there too. Yeah. It'd be a missed opportunity if it wasn't. Can we talk about the fucking RoboCop-esque, like, social satire moment of them being like, well, Ghostface killers are back, so you know what that means. Sales are exploding on that mask. (laughs) Everyone. Oh, my God. I'm dressing as Ghostface this year. (laughs) I was dying. It's like, that's wild. Like, it just really hammers home where it's like, Damn, these were real murders. They made movies. They made movies out of it, and one of those movies turned into its own mass murder. And they and fucking then, released that movie anyway. And then there was a mass murderer trying to make a movie. <laughs> In this world, Roman Bridges was probably nominated for like an Oscar for best director. <laughs> <laughs> I like, posthumously goes to Roman Bridger. Yes. I like in this scene, I know in the therapy scene, they talk about, you know, Sam's whole social media thing. And I think kind of what I was trying to get at earlier talking about Melissa Barrera was the like toxic fandom aspect of people targeting her and like some of the racism shit got really bad. And just the fact that they took her social media hatred from real life and put it in the movie, I thought was really clever. And just really well done. Yeah, beautiful. I love when they do that. They did something similar in Red, White, and Royal Blue. <laughs> yes. I loved it. It was glorious. Glorious <laughs> when they can do that well. All right. Recap us. <laughs> All right. Are, are you sure? No. I'm sure. Are you ready for the fucking recap? No. Yes. But try. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Sam and Tara are now living in New York. That's where we're at in this recap. Are They're they? living in New York. That's as far as we fucking made it. <laughs> where, uh, you know, they Sam is going to shitty therapy and Tara's at a shitty frat party at Blackmore University, the university she's at with Chad and Mindy Meeks Martin, who continue to improbably survive this series. Other characters <laughs> include their roommate, Quinn, Mindy's girlfriend, Anika Kayoko, and Chad's roommate, Ethan Landry. Sam is also dealing with rumors that blamed her for the killings in Woodsboro that Richie was behind. So, internet discourse. It's a villain this time around. We've also got Quinn's father, who is uh, Detective Dermot Mulrooney, who's got questions for Sam because of the new ghost face who got killed by the ghost face. But on the way to the station, Sam gets a call on from Richie's number. Dun, dun, dun. It's ghost face. Cause of course it is here watching scream movies. And we get the next in what is a truly wonderful bit of New York horror action with a brutal bodega scene where Ghostface is just knifing and shotgunning dudes like left and right. Again, we talk about, I talk a lot about wanting to see like, you know, location used as character. This movie nails the New York setting so hard and doing stuff like the alleyway scene 
the Bodega Massacre, the fucking subway scene later on. Bodega Daddy with a shotgun was high-key great. There's some (laughs) really great, very specific New York set pieces that I really appreciate. This movie, like, this is the New York, like, Mm -hmm. scream. Mm -hmm. Which is something I also disliked about, or not disliked, but was a little bored in Five by Wiz. That was our then third movie out of five, 60% of the series that took place in Woodsboro. Yeah. And I was a little, and I was getting bored of Woodsboro. So (sighs) honestly, such a breath of fresh air, the New York setting. Yeah, yeah, and I like the fact that they kept it kind of... looking at me like, how dare you insult Woodsboro? <laughs> most perfect little murder town this side of Silent Hills. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that they kept it kind of low-key New York. Like, it wasn't all Statue of Liberty and the Empire State Building. This was, like, bodegas and subways, like you say, you know? Mm-hmm. That Again, and that's what I want. Like, I want the horror that I can imagine, you know, in my day-to-day life in New York City. I mean, and that again, is exactly. also because it's filmed in Montreal, but, you know... <laughs> Look... Don't yuck my yum, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can't they can't fake the Statue of Liberty in Montreal, but they can show a scary alleyway. Um, exactly. They can, they can build a bodega on a soundstage. Oh, one of the things I do want to say about Sam's character, one of the things I did love about her is her delivery of like some of the like scathing lines that she had, especially at the frat party. I was howling. Mm-hmm. Like I oh and but it wasn't just her it was just core four in general with the scathing lines but what one of them was the tasing of the balls which was hilarious and I love that but the other that I really enjoyed was I am spectacularly uninterested in knowing anything about you because <laughs> <laughs> like that frat guy was the worst and I mean that's amazing because like we've all met one of those what and I we don't even have frats in Canada particularly but what I appreciate with Chad is that he is not a dude that left directly into the punching. But the moment that he throws a punch is the exact same moment I would have thrown a punch. Like when you're when he's trying to talk to Tara about coming downstairs and the guy like grabs her under the arm and starts hauling her backwards up the stairs. I was like, nope, it's on now. Yeah, that is when punching starts. That is the moment. Chad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Chad really proves in that party that he is the true like himbo that that you didn't know Scream needed. I love him top to bottom in that although i gotta be honest with you i desperately thought he and ethan were a thing at that party that would have been great <laughs> like that i really did like they're i like at one point and then they start like they're they're doing their little like dance together that routine was, or whatever and i was like ooh, chemistry. that was not the big small relationship dynamic this movie is going for no ethan just has big not. twink oh, energy because, does yeah. he does <laughs> It's um, like a twink that'll steal your wallet on the way out. In the oh gym. my god! Yeah. You met, so we we're talking about the bodega scene, and for me, that scene makes me think about how like all the trailers really used that scene as the one of the set pieces of the film to get you into it. And it's such a big scene that like when it came up in the movie for the first time, I was like, "Oh, we're already here!" And then it just you know the movie just keeps going and going and going. And so for me so quickly, like, so my point here is like, I love so many things in this film, but one of my main things that I'm really into with it are the pacing. And I just think once the scene hits, like it doesn't let up. The movie just flies by so quickly. Yeah. Oh, you got the, you know, the great like Central Park, you know, phone call, the high rise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I will say they get that fucking phone call in Central Park. It is midday. They're still like, oh no, Ghostface is at 96th Street. 
quickly to Gales. We need to drive six blocks. And then New York traffic is such a motherfucker. But by the time we get to Gales, it is nighttime. Look, I've driven <laughs> in New York. That tracks. <laughs> that was three hours to get six blocks. Amazing. You're better anyway, off running is all I'm saying. Anyway, before Bodega, we also learned that Tara and Chad totally got a thing for each other. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing a romance. And also, there is a hunky neighbor from across the street who is Lance from the other two. And Sam's like, oh, I can't talk to him. He's just a hunky guy from a different building who I see through my window. But then it turns out that they've all they're already dating. They're she be banging him. She be banging him so hard. I thought that was in her head at first. When she grabs him, I was like, oh, this is like a cutscene, like dream. And I was like, no, it's real. Sure why it's a see why she's keeping the banging a secret. Everyone reacts very positively when they find out about it oh you know it's trauma yeah scene is adorable where they all find out and they're all like nailed it (laughs) but yes oh man but yeah so after that we've got tara who you know so after the after the what i'm calling the bodega massacre Ghostface leaves behind a mask and woo, it's the Ghostface worn from the Scream 4 killings. <sighs> My favorite. Go. The the what's her face? Alice Roberts one. Jill Roberts. Jill Roberts. Meanwhile, good news, Kirby's here. She survived <laughs> Scream 4 and she's an FBI person and now Gail's here and she's like, what the fuck, Kirby? You're a baby. And Kirby's like, I'm 30. And Gail's like, oh no, time. Yeah. Yeah. Which then I looked at, I'm like, oh no, I'm in my 30s. Ah, time. I do appreciate we get the like classic time to punch Gail moment. And uh, yes. the, the first one misses, but then Tara comes through with the follow up. So Which, yeah, Sam and that's swings and misses about. and Tara hits it from the other so side. Good. Hitting those foundational beats while offering something new or twisting it enough. Mm-hmm. Like, Perfection. oh, it was good. Yeah. Oh, man. And we also get Gail just explaining that, well, Cindy's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's the natural scene ending. in the movie. <laughs> Cindy is called to tell you she's not coming. Yeah, like, Cindy is not here. Cindy is taking fucking, like, Patrick Dempsey and the off-screen kids and just, like, gone to a fucking cabin <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. I love that Patrick Dempsey has survived all the way past Scream 6 just by never appearing in the franchise again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Scream 7 will be what Sydney was doing during 6, and she was getting attacked as well. No, I love to that, imagine that's just, a like, porn parody. <laughs> a day in the life of Sydney, and it's her just saying out, like, four different ghost faces in, this, in a day. <laughs> It's really, yep, yoga instructor was a ghost face. Uh, the girl at the smoothie stand, she was another ghost face. No, I want to see the first time one of their kids come back school. with a Halloween mask and they're just like, this is what I want to be for Halloween. And she's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the day. Scream 8, subcolon, Sydney pistol whips a child. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the punching scene with Gail? Loved it. it. Loved, loved it. it. Was deeply satisfying. Later, when Tara's like, "I'm sorry," and Gail's like, "No, you're not." <laughs> no, yeah, I'm good. not. <laughs> yeah, the Sam Gale 
relationship is really good. Yeah. It's there's an almost maternal yeah. aspect to their dynamic, which I really like. Yeah, I, um, I really enjoy and that. Honestly, as much of a hubble as it was, and as much as Nev Campbell absolutely deserves the money she has earned. I kind of think it's to this movie's benefit that Sydney isn't in the movie. Agreed. I, mm-hmm. I think it's what really lets the core four come into their own and truly carry the torch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I would have loved to see Sydney in the shrine, it didn't need her. It it worked without her. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just I now agree. imagining Take they her. get to the shrine and Sydney, she's like behind one of the glass cases, being like, "Hi guys, <laughs> I'm stuck." <laughs> You know, if it was Sydney, she would have overreacted and burned everything right there. Like the, Hell yeah. the whole yeah. thing would be on fire. She'd be like, nope, 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 nope. Sydney, of course, I None have a this. gun to press, Scott. Look, no judgment, man. After everything, I'd burn it to the ground, too. So, you know, the difference between Sydney and Sammy, and because it always has to be, you know, like there's a little bit of a, you know, passing the torch, but you have to make it your own. Sydney, shoot. Burn. Sammy, stab, 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 stab. Oh, I got tired. Stab, 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 stab. It's, you know, variety is the spice of life. It's true. We And we really do get, and we learned something particularly, I think, tragic about Gail was that despite her best intentions and promises at the end of the last movie, she was unable to resist the temptation of just writing another Tree book about the murders mm-hmm. and was unable to honor Dewey the way even she would have liked, which I think says a lot just about Gail's character and just the tragic elements that are always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially- people were pissed when that, it leaked ahead of time, maybe by a couple weeks, that she wrote a book about the murders and the fandom was like, this is horrible. This writing sucks. That doesn't make sense. But then, I mean, you know, it is a hard I thing it, to do. And it, it's it makes a heartbreak- sense. It's a heartbreaking element of Gail's character. Exactly. exactly. She's flawed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, also like after five, she has nothing. Like she mm-hmm. has nothing left. So like, except all of her, would, clearly, what is she going except to her do millions her and grief? millions of dollars? Yeah. yeah, like that clearly you know, the... keep her happy because yes. well, like, again, <laughs> emotionally, yes, she has nothing. But I do want to say this woman is fucking living in a penthouse apartment in fucking upper in like the fucking upper west side. Yeah. And getting railed by this beefcake. And getting railed by yeah. a beefcake. Yeah. Like, in between is... trips to the Botox store. Yeah. There's worse ways to mourn. Yeah. Like, like there are what yeah. Like Tia said, there are worse ways to have nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if this is Gail Weathers born again, <laughs> Daredevil wishes. <laughs> Daredevil wishes he was in, not living in Hell's Kitchen and getting railed. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> God, anyway, we check back in with terrible fucking uh, psychiatrist who, as we discussed before, just gets murdered, like, just stabbed through the nose. And left behind is the mask of Roman Breacher from the Hollywood killings, who I love Kirby acknowledging him as the only solo ghost face. She's like, respect, respect the ambition. (laughs) Also, the shittiest ghost face, I have to say. Like, yes. Yeah. I I mean, he did manage to kill somebody with a fax machine, but... Yeah. yeah, you put some respect on that name, yeah. and then you fax that name. 
<laughs> like I do appreciate them like being like, yes, yeah, Scream Three happened. It counts. It's canon. You d- sorry, fucking super serious fan people. You don't get to sweep the campy one under the rug. <laughs> Jay, Jay and Silent Bob exist in this universe. Deal with it. <laughs> I always forget until you bring it up. I will never not bring it up. It's the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen in any movie. Even after Bride of Chucky? Yes! Okay. If if the only thing that would have I would have said like yes that's crazier is if Brian of Chucky had had Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> oh my god! And they should have been the killers. Oh my Scream, god! Scream that's seven. It's, it's not too late. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh. I mean, really, if they want to follow the like trend of being a franchise, then the next one has to be like the crossover one, right? Where it's. Ghostface versus Michael Myers or something. Ghostface versus 21 Jump Street. When I was at FlameCon, I went to the Chuck Tingle panel and it was amazing. I was, I can't, that was so glorious. But one of the games that was played as sort of like the introduction to the the whole panel was slasher dating profiles. (laughs) Swipe left or right on the slasher dating profiles. So he introduced all of the different slashers with their pros and their cons and their kinks and what, you know, what are, what's the high points of dating the slasher and the low points and everyone had to vote on who the ultimate slasher date would be and flame con crowd really voted and we ended up in a polyamorous triad with Ghostface and pinhead. (laughs) That is the most flame con answer I have to yeah. say. Yeah, that tracks. That's yep. you know. That, Absolutely. I was happy with that. So if you're gonna do a crossover, I, I feel like that would be a good place to start. That could work. Yeah, both both characters who are gender ambiguous in this case. Mm-hmm. But male and female <laughs> ghost faces and male and female pinheads. Exactly. But we've got uh yes, meanwhile, back at the <laughs> apartment where we have the dubbing of the core four. Um, <laughs> Which does feel a little rude, given that there's other people there around. But it is. But they're a not core fine, now. They're not core. Uh, it you know it is a pretty yeah. fine line that like you had to have survived at least one ghost face before you can be family. Mm-hmm. Which how they how they actually had the line we're family and they didn't get sued by Vin Diesel. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe yeah. that's the crossover. Yeah. <laughs> Like when she said that, I'm not the only one that just, it felt like her voice just suddenly got dubbed over by Vin Diesel. Like, we're family. Yep. I'm just I was say, waiting for the Corona. Scream Fast, Scream Furious is not a Get in the car, Tara. We got to out, we got to outdrive Ghostface. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, please. The Ghostface car heist. Yes. Oh, <gasps> uh, at the apartment, Ghostface is there. Haven't gotten in. Don't worry about how. With only Danny across the street being able to watch helplessly as Ghostface kills, quotation marks, Quinn, and not quotation marks, kills Quinn's fuck buddy. Um, and then- Seemingly very viciously. There's a lot of blood in that shower when they uh-huh. run out. She must have hated him. She had some shit to that work guy out. Is very dead. And terrorizes yeah. Sam, Tara. Oh, no. <laughs> Tara and Chad get out get down the street while Mindy, Sam, and Annika 
are terrorized throughout the apartment with Annika just fucking brutally stabbed in the stomach. And, oh, God, do they linger on, like... How did she survive that? Okay, so, yeah, all right. Okay, so I'm going to bring my science brain into this a little bit because we're going to talk some about the survival statistics in this movie in general because damn okay but, but Bronwyn have you considered that Chad put all of his EVs into HP and physical defense <laughs> I you know what I'll give you that one I'm, I'm just convinced they just hit all the scar tissue from last movie when they stabbed Chad mm-hmm. right he took a lot of he, he took, took a lot, lot of damage last movie too so like but with with Annika they like literally linger on it going into her stomach and then coming up like she's being eviscerated it's the the coming up the part that makes it just like right she's being Mm -hmm. disemboweled yes and this is it so literally disemboweled so on the one side gut wounds really do take a long time to kill you depending on what they are right like you can hit something and bleed out internally you can get sepsis it's all these things but they don't that's what reservoir dogs is about right it's not necessarily immediately fatal can be if you hit the wrong artery or something like that there's absolutely arteries in there that would do that but for the most part you're <laughs> it's going to be a long few hours <laughs> and they're not going to be good ones but you fall several stories off of a ladder into this a, is it the thing that i actually struggle with less her survival and more her ability to crawl without losing <laughs> her intestines yeah. Like she didn't even try and like wrap something around. That was her belly. that was my only objection is like she seemed to have stuff coming out and like and nobody then, just was like, hey, that's the alternate. That's the alternate take. It. She gets up on the ladder and then all of her guts fall out and she just kind of plops down. Well, and so Ghostface just shrugs and walks away. That's what I was waiting <laughs> for because like okay, I've been first aid certified for like twenty plus years. So, you know, everybody knows you gotta wrap something wet around the guts so that they stay wet and inside. Like that. Mm. That's the thing you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. My thing with the movie, you know, one of my main complaints is like, all right, if this had happened once in the movie, I still would have been like, yeah, I don't believe that, but whatever. It was one time. But it's Mindy, Chad, uh, who else? Gail, like all these people that should be dead. Okay, not just them, every ghost face. Every ghost face takes at least one solid whack to the head. Vera fucking (laughs) tanks a knife to the spine and doesn't even get medical attention at the end. (laughs) Right? Yeah, everyone. Okay, Okay. and can we talk about that beautiful chef's kiss of a walk-away scene with the three of them just walking off into the distance? They just myrtleized a cop among all of that carnage, and they're not even being taken in for questioning? It's fine. (laughs) I mean, they do have a pocket FBI agent, but she actually went to the hospital. <laughs> they're, they're, probably because she's down like at least 10% of the body they're going mass, to get but... an egg, but They're going to get a bacon, egg, and cheese. I mean, that yeah. tracks. <laughs> yeah. So my I thing mean, is the people that survive these really bad injuries, like, I don't know. I feel like in the previous movies, if you got stabbed two or three times in the gut, you were presumed dead. And now it's like, I understand this is a new cast we may, maybe the new directors writers have new new roles of 
you know, what you can no, survive everyone, in this everyone franchise. Everyone was playing with invincibility mode. On. Right. But it's but, too many. It's, someone should have died yeah, is all I'm saying. Mindy, Mindy was, you knew Mindy was going to be okay because she was making wise cracks like last right. week. And then her. once she made it, I was like, all right, no way she would have lived. But if she's alive now, Chad's got to be the one to yeah, get no, the Chad, Chad's death, Chad not being dead is like the most comical over okay. the top. Like, like you said, Jeremy, it had to have like, they just happened to have hit all of the old scar tissue and did no Which, additional. Damage. I believe that more than Anna. And this is it. Like, okay. Okay. You're going to sell me this insane story that Chad survives. All right. He hit, they hit, they managed because I mean, they know so much about, these people that they literally intentionally hit every single one of his old wounds. So he has been stabbed only again, in the I think it's again, don't forget about all of his HP EVs. He's exactly. <laughs> Obviously. He's min-maxed. But <laughs> but how is he conscious? Like, okay, alive, sure. But he's chatting, he's like, car four, car four. Right. Uh, Oh, honey. Because you can't stop that himbo energy. Well, and this it's, is it. This look, is it. Because Broadwood, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because he's got that dog in him, and that dog is a golden retriever. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I bring the himbo energy to the table, okay? I speak himbo thoroughly. But he's too pretty to die. He's way too pretty to die. He's too pretty to die. I do appreciate Mindy running up die. at the end and being, like, literally running up at the end and being like, I thought she was in the hospital. And then her being like, oh, yeah, I'm on so many drugs right now. I can't feel anything below my shoulders. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, okay. all right. Yep. Fine. All right, I'll give you that. That's good. That is clever. You should be able to do it. If Chad or Mindy had to go, which one would you pick? Chad. 100%. Final answer. Final answer, Chad. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that because I love me a himbo and he's so sweet, but Mindy brings more to the table. Yeah, like, like, you're not like, you can't ask me to kill off Jasmine Savoy Brown. Like, I just won't do it. And the first actually canonical queer character in Scream exactly um, despite all the previous attempts yeah um, i go yeah, back I, and forth where i'm like oh going into six i was like i don't know mindy might be going like kirby's back and she had the same movie trivia thing going on we don't need two characters oh, with so that another great it worked. another great mindy t-shirt uh strong femme character yeah yes. i loved that she was great she was great the whole way through i love her but yeah, I don't know. I I love uh, that Core Four is like a oh, yeah. whole character now. Me too. They're. I mean, this was when they became the new like Sydney Dewey Gale trio. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Trio. Like this is. They are Core Four. Yeah. Which means yeah. I guess they none of them can die until they become grizzled mentors in Scream Twelve. <laughs> if no one dies in the next movie, I'm going to be very irritated. <laughs> I think that the four what of them of the should core be those four. Fans. Yeah. One of them. I, oh, core four or nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I would have been okay with Gail dying here too because she goes out on the line like the yeah. tell Sydney he didn't get me line is like that's a great that's, final line yeah. for Gail. Yes, it is. Okay. It I is, exactly. but does it fully work if she is actually killed by Ghostface? But I think that's even kind of funnier to be honest. I like the idea of I like the idea of Gail just having too much spite to die. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was it would have been the best send off for Gail. So the fact that they didn't do it now, I feel they missed the opportunity. So now they are not allowed to kill her ever. Yeah, Yeah, she gets a great fight scene. I mean, we're not. I I guess you know we should finish. We should get to it in the recap. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck to you. (laughs) You're, You're as bad as them now. 
first on Annika dying, which is just an absolutely brutal death as she cries and begs and pleads as to how much she doesn't want to die and how scared he is. And it's just like real vulnerability and fear in a way we don't often see. It's just like so plainly stated. And it is just so tragic seeing this young woman's life snuffed out as she is knocked off the like off the ladder where she screams up until her face just smashes against a dumpster on the way down. And that was a choice. Like this whole movie is all about overkill. You know, every single kill has some element that it's like, you know what? We we could have just not. So as we said, this movie (laughs) is really into pulling its punches in, except for when it extremely doesn't. Yeah, Yeah. And that one was like, oh, she, she, damn, she real dead. (laughs) No, she real dead. That was the only time you actually get to see like a head, a head impact that that really had actual impact so because- i think the scream for rule needs to be adjusted to at least one queer character survives <laughs> yeah. if there's multiple queer characters ugh. all bets are off were Which, you a really lesson s- we learned with the invitation remember that jeremy how the one random queer character survived even though he had like this supporting character who gets killed off and all over him <laughs> yeah i mean and you know Technically, that rule uh, is accurate to good old M. Knight's cabin there as well. <laughs> no. We there do have go. one queer character that survives. So after that, Gail uh, is great at her job. So she finds this crazy-ass Brooklyn, uh, like this theater that has been turned into a ghost face shrine. Yeah. Again, I feel like you could just straight up open a ghost face museum in this world and it would do what? like good money. I think it would do good money. And also, who is paying for that real estate? Apparently, these rich kids from Atlanta. Yeah, all we're told is rich kids from Atlanta, which, okay, I'll suspend my disbelief movie. A poster came out before the movie released, and it had something about Stab the Musical being in New York. And there was this rumor going around that the shrine was going to be like, part of the musical like uh something people could come in and look at or props from the show or and so i was a little disappointed that the musical wasn't in play because anyway got broadway that would have made more sense than like yeah a police salary slash rich kids from atlanta secretly bought a condemned (laughs) theater like just stab the musical. What a miss. I talk about missed opportunity. That's I think that's the biggest one. Oh my god, tell me though that we are going to get a musical episode in this franchise because legitimately that's uh, like that's gotta be next on the docket, right? right? That should have been the opening kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now- I still maintain I this is a hill I will die on 100 percent that every piece of media is made better by a weirdly aggressive dance scene. You're not wrong. All right, now we get our Gale sequence as they try to do a scream too and trace the call in Central Park, but Ghostface is like, lol, nope, I'm going to kill Gale. And then I guess it's this apartment building is a walk-up, Bill, because that is the only explanation for why the phone call happens in day and then Gale isn't attacked until the dead of night. (laughs) Presumably, Gale lives in a penthouse of a fucking walk-up. Yeah. (laughs) all right so now we're at the gale scene now we're at the gale scene we get the call oh how great is the call where he's just like fucking torturing her over dewey's death i don't think we've ever uh, spoken before 
Isn't that weird? It was so good. This is Gail at her absolute finest. When she fucking star 69s his ass, then just starts like immediately shooting. That was actually glorious. Yeah. That's... I just love the like Sydney was the final girl hero. Dewey was the fan favorite. Who were you? Or what and yeah. she's like, oh, the brains on the sex appeal. Like yeah. just, the, the perfect Gail line. Yes, yeah, so perfect. And her putting amazing. him on hold before before she starts sixty nine was was hilarious to me. And he's like, "Wait, what? Like, just... <laughs> is it, you can do that? Fuck!" Yeah, that was very much Sydney's. I'm bored from the last movie. Yeah. Did you think they were gonna kill her? I was at so... the edge of my seat. I'll tell you that. Yeah, the my, scene my... is great. She legitimately like she has a good ghost face fight scene because there's there's a yeah. few of those throughout the series, and she really like she gets her shots in. I thought they were going to kill her. I Like you were saying, I think if they were going to kill her, this is the place to do it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I guess they may have just wanted to avoid the sense of like, ooh, we're going to kill off one of the legacy trio every movie. Yeah. 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 When she went on the balcony, I got real nervous just because of the Scream 2 scene with Sarah Michelle Geller, yeah. and she gets thrown off the balcony. I was yeah. like, oh no. I loved the boyfriend, the boy toy just getting killed like <sighs> yes. in the background out of focus. Like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I was going just... back on forth if, if they would kill her or not. But then once she gets in the safe room and she has the photo of her and Dewey, which is a photo of them in real life. And it was in, Aww. it was Dewey's background on his phone. So when he dies, he's looking at that photo. And when, so I'm, you know, in this scene now, I was like, oh my God, she's really going to die because she's going to die looking at this photo, just like Dewey. So they really had me going. Yeah, I they honestly, they had me going for that one too. Like she had this glorious fight. She was just the, all the snappy repartee. It was very, very, very like peak Perfect. Gale. It's yeah. just like, I just... Was like again with Gail. It's like I don't want to see Gail lose to a ghost face. Like after yeah. everything she's been through. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. then she survives and then bleeds out afterwards. For me, that would have been fine. Like that she, you know, she gets right. through the fight. They chase him off, and she dies afterwards. I would have been like, yeah, that that works for me. The wild thing to me is that that boyfriend gets dispatched so quick, and that's got to be Quinn in the match. Oh, right you there. right? Like she, yeah. just, <laughs> that little redheaded girl just murders the shit out of this big dude. Yeah, because yeah, I the other like... two were the other two were with the rest of the crew. Oh yeah, point. no, she she confirms that it's her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Somehow it was Quinn. I Look, I mean I, I feel like it's the, the writers. Same, it's the same way that fucking like high school girl Amber is able to just like lift fucking Dewey like <laughs> Dewey. Dewey off the ground like, right with yeah. knives. This this grown ass man. Look, if biology has gone out the, the window, ground. we are not even talking. By, by, <laughs> fucking, by fucking Amber. Yeah. It's like 90 like the, pounds wet. The writers, to me, it feels like they didn't even know if Gail would live or not because, like, her fate's left up in the air. And then we don't even see her again by the end of the film. We just get like this offhand, oh, yeah, Gail made it at the end. And it's like, yeah. Was this a pickup line? Like, did you? Was this like did did test know? audiences? Did they do it as a death scene and then test audiences hated it? That's right? what it feels like. It does. But I who do knows? wonder maybe if like there's been a lot of talk as to like Sydney chose not to come back in this one. Like she decided she wasn't going to do it because they weren't offering enough money. And I wonder if there's a version of the script where she is in this movie and Gail does die. Um, mm. I don't know. I. I I really did like that. that as Gail's 
closing line though the like tell sydney didn't get me like yeah worked for me yeah i kind of hate too. that it wasn't, wasn't i think that the directors one. talked about wanting this one to kind of be both darker but also kind of have a, like be like the ending where all the characters you like make it out like this one time yeah yeah that's a, i give it a pass I for do that. Like that yeah and that's what yeah, the director said I, they wanted to do. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want this level of character surviving to be a recurring feature. Me neither. Like I, with the exception of like Sydney, nobody should. And I get, and you know, and Gail, like kind of, no one should have full plot armor. Yeah, I agree. It feels like they pulled their punches here. And but again, I I've read something the director said, which was like, oh, you know, we really wanted to make this feel good movie. They were all gonna live. We always knew that. And I was like, okay, I'll give you a pass this one time. But I next really one with what they I did with be, the movie. I again, I would yeah. be fine if Chad just gets stabbed like fucking fourteen times a movie. Right at this point, I'm fine with that. And then like by like fucking stabbed to a screen twelve, they're just like brain aneurysm. <laughs> Chad, we were doing a chase. Chad just died brain aneurysm. That was it. Right? Like, I am waiting for that. Like, you know, when Gail did say, tell Sydney he didn't get me. I'm, I need that Chad to secret. at some point translate into somebody running from Ghostface, somebody, you know, having this epic fight scene, doing well, like, thing, like, and Hill style, like you, you, you don't know? kill me, you don't kill me, I kill me, and then just stop in their own heart. Right? Out, like, yeah. will. Throw themselves mm-hmm. off the balcony. <laughs> That would be a real Gale death. Yes. I'd be into that. Oh, my God. So now after that, they're like, so after the that craziness, they decide that they're going to try to trap Ghostface in the theater. But together, they need to go on the subway. And then we get this movie's other kind of signature sequence, the subway scene, which is fantastic. The group is separated into multiple trains. Ghostface could be standing right next to them. You don't know. There well, is well, horror, Ghostface characters. There is horror there. costumes galore. You don't know who's just wearing the mask. Who's actually the killer? When it the could killer be the twink right next to you. God, oh. when Ghostface starts coming closer <laughs> and closer to Mindy on the train, that that bit gets, is like, so lights. good. That oh. whole that mm-hmm. whole scene is glorious. Oh. Like I remember when they were going down to the subway, I was like, okay, okay. I get it. Like it's New York. So we have to have a subway scene, but can we talk about this? Like you guys know you need to stay together for like plot armor purposes. You have this whole thing. Take a fucking cab. Like <laughs> walk. Honestly, that would have been better to take a cab. They should have like, got a party bus Uber. You know, like this is what I'm like, why would you put yourself in this? I, I don't know. I eh, eh, like, Anyone who's ever been on the subway I will say this, in New York. It would have been a wild fucking scene if they're like, oh, I'm getting an Uber. And then like, yeah. they pulls up and like, <laughs> and Ghostface comes out of the car. Now that would be great. Because it's like a car. What if he's car, just driving know? the car? It pulls up and he's looking face. at him. It's all the Ghostface. <laughs> Why did you get a share? Uh, <laughs> no. Even in the app it says, Ghostface is arriving. <laughs> I also I love that in the subway there are all these like horror characters. There's at least one Chucky. There's a Freddy. There's a Jason. There's a Pinhead. There's the twins from The Shining. The twins from The Shining. They've got the clown, like uh, the kid with the balloon from It, and yeah. it's Samara reason, Weaving from Jojo. Ready or Not. Um, yes, Mojo Jojo's in there as well. Yep. Oh yeah, because that's <laughs> Roger that L. Jackson. Mojo Jojo. Yeah. Yep. Ghostface. 
so fucking amazing. That would have been great a, if if it was the guy in the uh the Mojo Jojo costume that was Ghostface. Just <laughs> how meta didn't see that yeah. one coming, did you? <laughs> it's me, Mojo Jojo. <laughs> I'm the killer. That is a great Roger Jackson deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on so yeah. On the train ride, it's very spooky. In the end, Mindy is stabbed, but only like somehow she survived. Well, she's I mean, only stabbed she like only the stabbed the once. I'm yeah. telling you, it was only okay. the once. You just it need was, to get some medical treatment. It didn't get moved. Like it was, she didn't get disemboweled like Annika. Like the knife yeah. didn't move. It was just like a, it was like a, it was like a mean poke by this movie standards. Exactly. Like she she takes one stab to the gut and like. Practically a love tap from yeah. She's got to get off the train, but like she's just making wise cracks. Like she's like she's telling jokes as she exits the movie for the for but like. Right. Why did Ethan not finish her off? I'm like, why did they let her live? Yeah, that I don't get. And even then, like they had enough time. The person could have stabbed her like a lot more. Yeah, like, they let her live, and it's like, why? It doesn't make sense. I'm guessing because she was out there in public with Ethan, so like. I don't know. I guess maybe it was. They felt like it would be too compromised to. Yeah, finish and maybe her off because right that would be his alibi. Because, yeah, exactly. Like Ethan was the only one there with her, so if they were maintaining that he that it had to be somebody close to them, part of their group, the whole thing, that would really narrow it down to him. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the theater, Kirby is like, "I'm the only one with a gun. Deal with it." And Ghost <laughs> Billy is like, "Yeah, that's not going to work for us. Get a <laughs> <No>. knife." <gasps> <laughs> Good choice, honey. Here, take, Supportive take Billy my guy. knife. <laughs> Did you guys Those think Billy's Kirby great. was in on that? Briefly. Yeah, yeah, briefly. No, I never bought into that. I was well, worried. Again, there was that sense of like, because again, I was pretty strong on the like, I think Jeno, I thought it was Tara was the killer. So I did really have the sense of like, ooh, what if it is a previous survivor, but I picked the wrong previous survivor? But I again, really wanted I was invested in it being Tara. Like I wanted it so bad. I but really I never me it. too. I really yeah. thought it was Tara and the de- and the detective. Yeah. I thought no, I, I it took me a long time to get to Detective Dad. I was about like, I don't know, halfway through the movie, maybe before I was like, Oh yeah, detective is probably in on this. But like the minute I clocked Quinn from minute one. I was like, Yep. Yeah. That's, that's good on you because I said like, yep, Quinn's dead. Okay, that's I'm not thinking about her anymore. Oh yeah, no, when Quinn died, no. I, was like, I yeah. was like, oh god, but Quinn's the killer. How is that? Oh no, she's just faking her death. Obviously, I had dagging dad and Quinn pegged right away, which I was a little disappointed. I got it because when Quinn has that scene where she's like, oh, my dad moved here because my brother died, and yeah. it was like this so long backstory, and I was like, okay, obviously this is going to come back into play, and. It's going to be important. So when I, she died, it was yeah, off screen. And I was like, that's suspicious. We didn't see her die. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I was like, okay, it has to be the dad. Something with the brother motivation. Yeah. She has to be alive. So I had those two called, but Ethan. Ethan you know, came I, out of nowhere for me, though, because like, I, yeah. as I said, like, I was like, it could be Ethan just because I didn't make the connection to the brother. You know, I didn't make the connection to the family. Yeah, that's the one thing I didn't get. Um, it's the Scream and- 2 influence. This is like Scream 2 is about taking re- family, taking revenge. Oh, my God. A parent taking revenge. This is a parent taking mm-hmm. revenge. Scream is the horror Fast and Furious. It's all about family. 
<laughs> like it's the core four mm -hmm. family. It's the family killer family. It's legitimately all about family. Holy shit. I don't got victims. I got family. <laughs> right? It's hilarious. <laughs> but like the family that kills together stays together. Oh, I should have just I gone mean, with slaves. Well, that of... really was a missed opportunity. God damn it. Um... <laughs> you know, yeah. Ghostface is attack. Both Kirby and Dermot Mulroney show up accusing the other of being Ghostface. Uh, <laughs> suppose it's Dermot Mulroney. Kirby yeah. is not Ghostface. Poor Kirby. Uh, I wanted we... to really be with Kirby more, but I guess you can't do that when it's you're not trying her to movie. convince me. Right. Yeah. And they want us to think she could be in on it. So, exactly. yeah. It's a, uh. we get the classic scream finale. Knives go through brain stems, gun people get shot in the face. Dermot Mulroney gets stabbed like 11 million times. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty spectacular. Chad survives despite being a fucking pincushion again. <laughs> Here's your pinhead. You know, we have the whole fight scene and that ends with the dad being, uh, dad coming out the balcony with her and uh, waking up to like them doing a full Sydney where like they're the ghost face now getting ready to kill him they don't yeah they don't impale it anybody with an like, umbrella this time but it does um, seem like sam could have just you know killed him while he was still passed out instead of staging a whole ghost phase thing but <clears> hey you do you sam it made for a good climax i feel like she just really wanted to it was like yeah. scratching that itch for her exactly by that point she was feral sammy she was it's definitely it. a lot less cinematic for her to just going oh well he's unconscious all right cool stab 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 while he's unconscious yeah. I definitely she I want wanted the next him one. to know. Yep. <laughs> Sam's next movie. Me. <laughs> I want Sam like to be eager for someone to come after her so that she can do this again and her just start being a taking them out real quick throughout the I, movie. I yeah. kind of want Sam to be like talking to Tara, you know, just like, so that guy was really rude to you. <laughs> you know, well, she does <laughs> drop the ghost face mask on the ground, showing that showing yeah. that she has yeah. chosen the uh, she the has family of the core four over the, the family four. of being a third generation mur mass murderer. Yeah. She's she chosen core four. Exactly. She made her choice. She chose Tara. She chose them, whatever. Yep. But now Tara is going to lead the core four into murder. She could have had both. She could have picked both. I'm just and a part that, of me is like, why'd you drop it? You should have kept it. Come on. And that, ladies and gentle days. Is scream sex? Yes. Woo. <laughs> Loved it. Thought the killer reveals were a little weak, uh, and the acting with the killers I thought was a little bland to disappointing. Mm. But besides that, so, not as fun as Jack Quaid in the last movie. Mm. Oh, so good. Yeah, for I, sure. And Feral Sammy was much, much, much more exciting as a psycho than I mean, any of the killers. Yeah, Feral Sammy, but. Tara well, not, hitting not everything chick be... in the face with a brick and making her spit her teeth out. Yeah. Like, I'm telling like, you, Tara as the killer. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan, Ethan, wrong, wished, but... Ethan wished he had like Timothy Oliphant scream to unhinged that. He was yeah, trying he was so trying. hard. It didn't Talk about work. weakest link. Okay, I love the twink. I think he's real cute. Uh, he, his acting here, I was like, oh, he was really struggling. No, he was born to be a himbo. When he had to make the switch over to Psycho, he yeah, didn't did work. not He didn't understand the assignment. Right. He could play innocent mm -hmm. himbo very well. But besides that. Not in a bandwidth. Yeah. And the, oh my God, when Tara gets him, what does she say to him when she kills him? 
Oh God. Die you fucking virgin. Yeah, die, die, yes, a virgin. die a fucking virgin. Yes. <laughs> I, I did appreciate the you've lost another brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam's oh, very oh, good. Damn. <sighs> Top tier Sam. Oh God. I know. You know what though? I really want is a slasher. Doesn't have to be scream, but at some point in my life, I want a slasher movie, like in the slasher genre with all of this fun slasher stuff, but where the slasher motivation isn't stupid. Like <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but like bear with me. Because okay, like are you saying that make a better reboot to their favorite film franchise isn't a good is, no, is, no, no. is a dumb motivation no what i want is, is it's, a, I mean, it is. it's a very like, dumb person motivation but in in the, the I you know it. they're like you killed my family so what i'm going to i'm going to kill i'm going to kill you so wait no let me figure this out he killed a bunch of people that i love trying to kill me so i killed him in self-defense but i'm not allowed to kill him for killing my family because he's your family wait what no so like this that whole like you killed my family well yeah but he killed my family didn't he deserve to die by your own logic like that mm. i do you know i do wonder so, how involved kevin williamson was in the plotting of this movie because the climax of this movie is very similar to spoiler for a completely different movie sick uh which is the the one that he wrote that just came out this last year where it turns out that the motivation for this family of people trying to kill this girl is uh, she had COVID and gave it to their son at a party and their son died of COVID. So they decide to go kill her. It's the same is motivation wild. of Scream 2 as well, mm-hmm. which he also wrote. Let's yeah. be fair. Yeah, let's, 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 yeah the, the plot, the motivation is how dare you defend yourself from being killed by my child? Right? right. Like, and you, you kind of, you get that a little bit in, like, just with the whole I kind think... of like people putting themselves in a position to judge other people by doing the thing they've judged as wrong. Like that sort of cognitive dissonance in the, in the main villains. It, I always like, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's great. But I would really love to see a slasher with a motivation kind of more on the Magneto end of things than on the, like, <laughs> like Jill, she just wanted to be famous. Like, and I just know I want somebody who like is legitimately out there killing for what they think is a very solid reason and they can make an argument for it but they're not to be like, sam they've not they're not judging you I mean you don't like michael myers motivation of because he can that's now, better <laughs> now i will say we talked about it a few months ago i don't know if you watched it but did you watch sissy no i haven't watched that one yet oh sissy's so good go watch because, it okay yeah because that is similar in a lot of ways to, to what you're suggesting of like yeah i can see that uh yes because i i just i find those i find that more challenging as a viewer and it's very entertaining mm-hmm. like we talked the, about like this is like this i love this i love this so this is not to say this doesn't have a place this was fabulous and loved it i just in addition <laughs> yeah it's definitely you like to have a killer you can root for you know yeah, exactly. right and we haven't really had that in this no. franchise yet so i think it would be neat that's how i feel about sam 
<laughs> that's all like make her yeah. make her that ghost face like that i'm rooting for exactly um, we talked about how much we loved the opening because of how it really changed the format of what we had come to expect mm-hmm. and it really raised my expectations of the third act here so when we got to this you know it just kind of felt like the same rinse repeat finale that we've had a few times that's fair. Not not yeah. that it wasn't well done. You know, the killers again it's were very a much, uh, It's very much a scream finale. Right. Mm-hmm. I so I wish they you know, I always wanted to, to change it at this rate and just have someone get away with it. We you know, and we find out at the end, like, oh my gosh, there's still one out there lead into the next sequel. So I was a little mm-hmm. disappointed that they didn't follow through with changing the script like that with the end, like they did with the beginning. But then I'm like, oh, well, they could do that with seven, and then that could lead into eight. And then you just I keep mean, them coming. I, I oh, talked a lot you. about how well this Demi movie New York as a setting. Yeah. But I do think one of the crucial missteps this movie really did make was at no point having somebody say, hey, I'm ghost facing over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I feel the same way. I do think it's funny that it took six more movies for them to finally pull the trigger on a third ghost face, which like was everybody's uh, theory on the oh, second movie. Okay. They were like, to be fair, that was something where I was like, they need to change up the formula and do a third or fourth ghost face. So I'm glad they threw in a third one, but it felt very inconsequential. Plus we got that amazing shot of like the two ghost faces like cleaning their eyes. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I loved that. Right. I wish they'd done more Visual with it. poetry. Yeah. Yeah, Ghostface as the twins from the Matrix, only not terrible. <laughs> I do love fucking Chad just like smashing people over the head with a fucking gumball machine and shit. Yes. So I do have to ask, TJ, have you seen this story from Kevin Williamson about, about Kirby coming back? Probably. And how, Which one uh, are you talking about? Apparently, like, it was all a plan for her to come back. And it took longer than they meant to because they couldn't find Hayden Pantieri. Oh, Hayden Pantieri yes. doesn't have doesn't have an agent, and so like that's he fucking hilarious. Couldn't yeah. get a hold of her, and finally, like he was filming something in Nashville and met her producers from the show mm-hmm. Nashville, and was then able to get in contact with her. Yeah, have an agent. <laughs> yeah, so Kevin didn't intend for her to survive the fourth one, but he departed like way early into production so a lot changed after he left and then the fifth one of course they got new writers directors and i think they right away were like hey we want to bring her back how do we get in touch with her so him as the producer you know i think is what he's talking about there but then if you ask hayden panettiere she'll tell you that she was the one that reached out so yeah so they're both saying oh i reached out to them to be a part you know what i mean so I think she was trying and they were trying and then finally they got in touch together I, and I, she gave permission for in the fifth one to for them to use her photo in that Easter egg. And but it was so late in production that they couldn't like do a cameo or anything like that. So. I'm really glad it paid off with her full yeah. blown return in six. Me that was too. great. Also, I really need to just highlight one of the greatest fucking lines of the whole series. Uh, Ghost Please. Billy telling Sam, get our murder on again. <laughs> like I'm sorry, but Ghost Billy is the best dad in the whole franchise. Best dad, hilarious. Best dad Billy. Yeah, <laughs> <It was> great. <laughs> yeah, it's instead of Bubble Butt Billy, dads. 
Fucking yeah. love Ghost. I, I'm Best so glad this Billy. franchise gave us Ghost Billy. It's it feels like it should be a jump the shark moment, but I love it so much. I well, now that it's this... happened in five and six, it has to happen in every movie with Sam. That's all oh, I'm yeah. saying. Oh, 100%. I do love that they they love paid it. lip service to Stu and this of like, oh, they, you yeah. know this this TV this is the TV that killed Stu Mocker. Oh, if you believe he's really dead, like I love yeah. it. actually kill somebody. I was like, all right. It's making me not angry, but I'm getting there where I'm like, if they keep bringing it up and, you know, it's like fan service, but at the point now where they keep bringing it up, where I'm like, you have to follow through with it eventually, even if you're not going to bring him back from the dead, like do a voice cameo through a voice changed thing. You know what I mean? But it's like, they keep hinting at him coming back in some form. And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like they have to follow through eventually. I really just hope they have like Matthew Lillard just comes back to the franchise as a completely new character. People go like, "Hey, you look a lot like Stu," and he's just like, "Yeah, I've gotten that before," you know. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that would be brilliant. I was thinking like they could do like they have a new voice modulator and it sounds like Stu instead of Ghostface. Yeah, my (laughs) problem. My pitch for a screen movie is when it's the last one, do the voice changer again and just have them the person be changing their voice to impersonate different ghost face killers from all right. the films and be like calling call kirby as jill call sydney as billy mm-hmm. you know like so, yeah ah, that's what i want i appreciate when you know fucking kirby and mindy are doing the like i'll show you mine if you show me yours with oh, horror yes. movies uh, love that scene when they are like candy man original or reboot and they're like both oh correct Correct answer. Correct answer. The only one I have to take any sort of argument with is the uh, Friday the 13th one. And I can see four, which is Kirby's answer. Four is pretty good. I hate two. I think two is terrible. I know there are some people, the same people in a lot of cases that really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but like Ugh. two is just not. I don't know, like it. Not my thing. Also, but, no. when Quinn was revealed as the killer, did anyone else have in their notes? And they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> the the Kirby Mindy scene when when they talk about the thing you're talking about, Jeremy and Kirby's like, "Oh, I had a crush on Corey Feldman." I was like, "Oh, a man!" And then I looked him up, and I was like, "Oh that's no, that gr- tracks." Yeah, that, that's a compulsory <laughs> heterosexuality, right? Yeah, there. I was like, he's, "Oh, he's a, I was like, he's a boy in that movie." Too. Yeah, no, especially when his long, like, his androgynous oh vibe. My God. Yeah. Mindy, Mindy hears that and goes like, "Okay, I see what's up." Yeah, yeah, it's like, "Oh, you're fucking gay." Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it tracks. Yeah. So. Sam's character arc in this is she needs to learn to let go of Tara, which becomes incredibly literal. I know, I howled. And I, I guess like Tara's character arc is admitting that she's not okay, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Some people were shitting on the literal you have to let me go scene, but I thought it was really well done. It could have been really corny, but I thought it worked. It was. I think it was both corny and that it worked. Yeah. It, it worked. <laughs> And it was corny as fuck. Yes. Yeah. But it's it could have been I, bad. I do not mind the Scream franchise being corny. No. Exactly. Like, this is a, you get the whole idea through the whole thing. It's like we we see you. Like, we know what we're doing. This whole family of like these all these characters from from one from four from five coming back, and that we care about them. Like this is a very character centric film franchise. Like yeah. this is. Like 
much more like if every other the one thing that really truly does set Scream apart is if every other slasher is focused on the killers, Scream really does stand apart as a series that's focused on survi- on the survivors. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool actually when you put it like that. I think so. And I, I do appreciate also that this movie remembered that they like that they had already done the scene with the the do it tracing the call and that it was in fact <laughs> their uncle that died during that scene right yes oh i love that this didn't work last time either right as the kirby stan here i was like because it's mindy saying kirby you should remember this is how our uncle died and i'm like kirby forgot that like you know i was like i guess kirby wasn't uh, around that was two movies before kirby but she was a huge stab fan she was a that's true so I was like, so in my mind, I'm like, Kirby has distanced herself from horror films because of her trauma. And I respect that. <laughs> I mean, and she also has the, I can, you know, I can trace call in 15 seconds. And to her credit, she is able to trace it. It just doesn't do them any good to trace it. Right. He's not yeah. there. They're just sitting in that Randy van. So can we talk about predictions for the franchise going forward? So the things we know about Seven is it's happening. It's the director of Happy Death Day and Freaky. And oh, so supposedly... Gay, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Real it's going to be gayer. <laughs> and uh, apparently Nev mm-hmm. Campbell was in discussions to come back before the strike. Hmm. So that's all we know. I want... Patrick Dempsey returns slash death. Ooh. Me too. I don't want him to die, though. I mean, I guess he could. I wouldn't care. But, yeah, I just want to see him. I just feel like you need something big to get Sydney back in the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would do it. That's fair. And like you said, I don't want to do Gail, and it's like, I feel like we can sacrifice Patrick Dempsey, who has mm-hmm. yeah. been off screen since Scream 3. Yeah. I'm kind of, yeah. like, I'm okay with her not coming back, with Sydney being done because i feel like if she does come back then this feels like oh we just couldn't get her we didn't want to pay her the money not we're moving forward with the franchise Uh we're following these new characters these are the characters that matter now Mm -hmm. Um, i like the idea of cindy just showing up and having revealed that she dealt with her own screen like an entirely different screen movie that happened (laughs) off screen i actually i think we could work with that too and that you could have like a cameo-esque like maybe a bit longer than a normal like just a short little thing but with something like that where you have multiple multiple ghost faces because it's not just multiple ghost faces in terms of like oh there are two killers or oh there are three killers but in this case there's like multiple ghost faces active at the same time and then we get tara and sammy as ghost faces hunting the ghost face like that would be super meta that's your hope yeah (laughs) no jeremy i agree in that if we bring back sydney and make it the sydney show it's going to take away from all the progress we've gotten in this film so so when i heard we had a new director because I, I look at Sam and Tara and the core four very much the director's babies at this point. So the fact that they're not coming back had me worried at first. And, you know, I, I think it would be good even with this new director because I like his stuff. But I was like, well, you know what? The And the directors are doing something completely different right now with Melissa Barrera. So she's also busy. And it's like, well, what are they going to do with mm. Seven? And in my mind, I'm like, 
do a Sydney movie with this new director, have it be a Sydney movie, and then let the other directors come back for eight and do another Sam Tara movie. Like they don't have to be in each other's movies and do a Kirby spinoff movie for nine. You know, I'm like, just give me all of them. I just hope whatever's done. I hope it isn't a return to Woodsboro and we keep seeing like interesting, unique locations for the series. I agree. Give me scream at burning man. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's that's Tipping the biggest thing for me, and my worry with any sort of bringing Sydney back is, I love it when franchises like this step up and do something different, and then expand the world rather than retracting. Unfortunately, I feel like we've seen that sort of retraction both with Star Wars, with Jurassic Park. Like Oof. these things keep oh, yeah. sort of pulling it back because, like. The end of the, I, I know a lot of people really have, really hate like Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, but the end of that where the thing is like, oh yeah, they're just fucking dinosaurs everywhere now. Like they're out in the wild. They live with us. That's something we're going to have to deal with. Being like the setup for the next movie. I was like, I was that's that's do they deal with it? <laughs> no, they immediately are like, hey, we're going to bring back all the, all the old characters and we're going to send them again to a park where there is an enclosed amount of space with them and dinosaurs. I'm, I'm so only glad that these... was my only issue with Jurassic Park. I'm so glad <laughs> these are the movies that make a billion dollars every installment. <laughs> Y'all, is Scream 6 feminist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yo, good ladies good, can murder too, you know. Good, di- good discussion. <laughs> I mean, look, it's it, Scream, it's always centered women characters. You've got Sam, you've got Tara, you've got Mindy, you've got Gail. I, I mean, think the only one we maybe questioned was three. Is that right? Three. Yeah, three, three, just has, has three the has issue of it. Shit. The whole story being a Harvey Weinstein story produced by Harvey Weinstein. Um, and that was just like, as I was, as I yeah. was watching it after the Miramax logo came up and that was the story, I was like, what? Yeah, what the stuff with her mother in that film was it's like choices. I, 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 just like imagine being Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> reading this script to this and being like, "Hmm, sounds like an interesting concept for a film." Like, not at all my life. Like, fucking imagine. I don't know, man. It's making but, me you know, make this face. It was, it was wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, four is a little, I think, weaker on the, on that respect as well. But I think. One, two, five, and six are pretty solidly feminist. Yeah. I concur. Yep. Now then, queer rights and gayness. We we continue the reign of Minty as all things wonderful. We do love our Mindy. We, we do not get on-screen Kirby gayness, unfortunately. Alas. Um, Although, there's definitely, it's subtext. There's no text yeah. for Kirby, but there is some deep, deep subtext there. I agree. And it was there in the fourth movie. And I feel like they could have easily been like, oh, I have a husband at home or some bullshit like that. But the fact that they left it ambiguous and gave us that energy still and those and lines. That pantsuit. Yes. So I'm like, you know what? Mindy can be the textual for now. Yep. And Kirby Kirby's can just, be subtext. She's desperately trying to be Dana Scully, and it seems like which if Just, there's any if there's you anything think more Dana queer Scully than that, wasn't I don't know. subtext for gayness yeah, I, I don't say, know if there's anything more queer than trying to be Dana Scully I don't know what it is yeah but right fair, like, extremely fair yeah I think Kirby wants to be Sydney really bad I think Kirby wants to do Sydney real bad 
Oh, yeah. In four, <laughs> she's like, she has scars everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, she had a huge crush on her. I, so I want Sydney and Kirby to meet. Oh, she's so, so gay in four. Yeah. It's crazy. I want Sydney to be like, you're me? But blonde. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, Mindy, I is, think... Mindy is incredibly and unapologetically queer. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In, in ways that feel real and earned and okay. not in ways that are like yeah. yes i am the gay character this is oh me. and this is like yeah. yeah i mean she feels very authentic authentic yes it, it, yeah like, and again she's not her queerness feels very front and center in her identity but in the way i know lots of queer people yeah. do not in a exactly. straight person making a token yes exactly way. Mason Gooding said he's down for by Chad. I'm just saying. Hell yes. Hell yes. I thought so. Friggin' (laughs) flirting with goddamn Ethan. Like, I'm just saying. There was chemistry there. Uh, Uh, I will say both of the twins feel like they were written by queer writers. (laughs) Like, Uh whether Chad is supposed to be bi or not, he feels like, you know, a, a queer writer's idea of a good... He's bi energy. He has deep bi energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I will stand on my hill of the friend group, entire friend group in Scream 5 was all gay. They were all queer. Mm-hmm. It's a queer friend group. I mean, Sam can be the are. one heterosexual. I, okay. Sam just doesn't know yet. Fair. That's all I'm saying. Been through a lot. She hasn't figured her shit out. Yeah. And then I think in terms of class, all we get is rich kids in Atlanta bought the theater. <laughs> Don't look into this anymore. <laughs> Rich kids in Atlanta are facilitating murder. No further questions. And then, and yeah, I mean, I think, Jeremy, I think you really hit the nail on the head when uh, you, you talked about the diversity in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that it is very good to see this level of diversity amongst the cast, how some of it is represented more authentically than others, though, in the script and story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kirby and Gail are the only white people who aren't killers in this movie. So, yeah. Oh, can we mm. have a conversation though? I think that is really interesting, spawned by what both you guys said. Actually, I think all three of you touched on because Ben, you just did as well, with the idea that you know we have these main character groups, we have the core four, and none of the core four are white. So we have a comparison here of sort of authentic race representation which i think is a really fascinating conversation to have i think it's important to have those kind of conversations but hey can we take a second to appreciate that we have an opportunity to have that conversation (laughs) Mm. because we have a core four it's kind of a good problem to have yeah yeah exactly that like certainly when i was growing up that's not a problem we would have had and we sure as hell would not have had three of those four be women I just rewatched Flatliners. And you know what? It was still fun. But oh, we got all one woman in that, and that was all you get. <laughs> That's not there enough was, women. You need more women. There was there was not even an opportunity for a Bechdel test because there was no one else for Julia Roberts to talk to. <laughs> to watch the remake. I have not seen the remake. How was it? <laughs> I have not seen it. I just no. know it exists. <laughs> But as far as 90s films go, it wasn't terrible. So I'll take it. But oh, wow. Wow. Does it highlight the difference? I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think like the the queerness feels very authentic. And I think they lean more into that with Mindy's character 
than her blackness, which I, I you know, I do think is there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some of that is is due to the acting. But yeah, I think it does feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity to have two sort of Latina leads in this story and not even sort of acknowledge it. Like, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what the best way to do that is, but it, it does feel like it's not a thing that is written into the script. It's, it's like a coincidence almost. Yeah, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I and I don't know how I feel about that, to be perfectly honest, because while, and, and like, because I'm, I'm not sure, I'm kind of speaking off the cuff, so I haven't had an opportunity to really examine where I'm coming from when I say this. So forgive me if it doesn't come out right. But like, we don't expect to have it sort of outlined in the script if people are white. So, you know, it's kind of nice to not have it necessarily outlined in their character description or their whatever and have them still be Latina. Do you know what I mean? Like to have that just be who they are and not be a critical part of the character itself. Yeah. Kind of like with with queer people, right? Like queer people are everywhere doing all of the things. It doesn't have to be the central part of their character. Right. I think we need all types of stories. Speaking as a queer person, you need all types of stories (laughs) where it, you know, where it is a huge part of the character and a part of the story. And then you need ones where it's just really casual representation where you just Mm -hmm. happen to be that thing on top of everything else. And I feel like, this is one of those types of representation and maybe it's not what some people want and maybe it could be better, but we need that type as well. I would say this is my opinion. Yeah. And like, I, as I said, I am not in any way, shape or form sort of in a position to make that determination. It's just my initial off the cuff thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. There, There is some, something interesting to me about you know, the fact that, being a seemingly fairly well-off Latina kid living in Northern California and then moving to New York and living alone there for the first time would be a very different kind of experience. I don't know. It feels yeah. like there's something there and that it's not necessarily something that anybody needed to hang a lampshade on, but it is something that I think could benefit from having somebody in the writing room that is that has experience that has those experiences that you know can make yes. <laughs> make a person definitely. You can have those little things and still not make it be about that. Exactly. And that, and that is missing here. You're totally right. Yeah. And that's, oh, yeah. Uh, is that, is that, does that uh, bring to a head our discussion of Scream 6? I think it the, might. The most current and currently last movie in the Scream franchise. <laughs> if it was the forever. last, I would be For now, until Netflix yeah, decides to start paying people. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Netflix. Get your shit together. And if we never saw Sydney again, I'd be satisfied. But I do hope to see her again. Yep. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where they go from here. I, I, I want to see Nev Campbell just do in-character like web series where she's just like, here's Sydney's Instagram account of her not dealing with Ghostface. Yes. <laughs> We're just watching new, news reports and being like, man, that sounds like it sucks. <laughs> like, and then just changing the channel. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would seven... love that. Seven has the freaky director. I'm like, I'd be down for a Sydney movie where it's literally just all campiness. Oh. And like, like as you're saying, Ben, just her taking out ghost faces left and right. No care in the world. Oh my God. The so multiverse fun. of ghost face. <laughs> ben says into the Screamiverse, isn't that it? Yes, <laughs> into the verse. Yes. Again, I think, again, bring Luke Wilson back as the killer who's so tired of 
having played Ghostface, then he now must be Ghostface. That would be really good. <laughs> I like it. So is six everyone's second favorite now? In our yeah, rankings? I mean, yeah. It is for it me. I, I can confidently it's... say that. Yeah. You know, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like overall, I like this movie probably better, like start to finish than one. But there is no moment I think quite as like fun and unhinged as that like reveal scene with the the two killers and one like the yeah. two of them just yeah. really oh yeah chewing all the fucking scenery oh, and God, laying on top so of each other too. bleeding is just it's so good and, and somehow the queer coding in one is stronger than the actual queer rep in six <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm sorry, I, but I like, could I could maybe stand by that. Those killers, oh, they were banging. They'd be banging. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm a I'm a scream four lover, so four and six are kind of tied for my my yeah. second place right now. But the OG is still still number one for me. Kind of go back and forth on that one. Jenna Ortega is a strong pull. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's good. They didn't know what they had in five, but they definitely know what they have now. Yeah, I think it's. One and six, and then four and five, and then two and three. Um, <laughs> like yeah. three, I can appreciate for what it is, but it's not a particularly strong entry in the stri- in the Scream franchise. Yeah, yeah. Jay and Silent Bob are in a horror movie is a great film. Um, for what <laughs> it is, the the ending of that, especially with you know who who produced it, really makes that one a hard one to swallow for me. Yeah. I will say there's a someone leaked a Scream 3 cut. It's called the Assembly Cut and it has like 20 extra minutes of footage. So if anyone wants to watch it, it's out there. Is it better? Do you recommend it? I haven't watched it yet. (laughs) Saving it for a rainy day. Uh That is definitely the one that feels most like there's a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor. Because 3 is just things just happen in that movie. A bit unhinged. All right, so it sounds like everybody recommends this one. Oh, hell yeah. Do we have anything else we wanted to uh, recommend to folks this week? Bronwyn, do you have anything? Watch the other... (laughs) No, go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. (laughs) Watch the other two, starring with Lance. Yes. So funny. By which, I mean the actor's name, Josh Agara. (laughs) Watch (laughs) She-Hulk. Yes. That shit is incredible. Oh my God. What is that Samara Weaving movie where she gets married? Ready or not? Yes. Written by the writers uh, of this of, movie. One yeah. of my that one. favorite there was movies a, we've ever covered for yep, this podcast. There was a costume cameo of her character in the subway scene. Yes, exactly. So that is my recommendation. Ready or not. I love that movie. Holy crap. So Glorious. Good. Glorious. TJ, what about you? I might have recommended this before, but we were talking about Scream and how it talks about race or doesn't talk about race. And I know I said the TV show sucks, but season three of the Scream TV show is a standalone miniseries that tackles issues of race and horror with Black characters in high school being attacked by Ghostface. And it does have Roger L. Jackson as Ghostface. So there's that. It isn't particularly good, but it does talk about these themes and it is Scream. So you could check that out. 
And if you're looking for something that puts horror slasher in a really specific location like this movie did, Chucky season three starts really soon. And it's about Chucky in the White House killing the first family. So I think it's going to be fun. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. What about uh, you, Jeremy? I am going to recommend a video game because when I first started Spider-Man Miles Morales, Spider-Man colon Miles (sighs) Morales, the semi-sequel to the Spider-Man PS4 game that is on PS5, I thought, this sounds great, but why on earth would you choose the Tinkerer as the villain for this uh, game? And what they do is reinvent the character of the Tinkerer as Finn Mason, who is a, a teen girl who is fighting against this sort of company that is taking over her neighborhood. You know, she is a, a brilliant teen inventor who is Miles's friend who is fighting against Roxon to save her neighborhood, but doing it with terrorism and uh, blowing things up and is played both voiced and I think done some of the motion capture by Jasmine Savoy Brown. Oh. And it's a short game compared to the ps4 spider-man which is a big sprawling game but But like it's it's incredible the story Mm -hmm. is so well done she is so good in it and it's like it takes a character that i have never given a flying shit about in the tinker (laughs) even as somebody who likes obscure marvel characters and reinvents them in a way that i was like yeah shit like i would watch a whole series about just this character like bring her back (laughs) and do more with her that was before I even really knew Jasmine Savoy Brown um, in that. So I like it's... didn't make that connection. I didn't know that's who that, I did not know that was her, but I yeah, love that so... game. That was really good. Yeah, it's really solid. That game is so good. It, it's so, so good. It, they, they capture New York incredibly well and in particular parts of New York in ways that a lot of games don't try to do. And uh, she is a really incredible part of that is as a character who is who is like what we were talking about we wanted a ghost face we can cheer for she is a bad guy who is blowing shit up and doesn't care if innocent people get hurt because she's fighting this giant evil corporation that killed her brother and is taking over her town she has understandable rage yeah she's great that's everybody right we all got Mm -hmm. that all right (laughs) (laughs) all right well as we uh, wrap things up here, TJ, did you want to let people or uh, remind people where they can find you online and, and listen to your podcast? Yeah, you can find me all over on all the social medias at TroyFin2, where I talk about books, queer things, Batman, all sorts of things. Buffy, I love Buffy. <laughs> and you can listen to my podcast, Gotham Outsiders, at Gotham Outsiders, where I co-host with my friend Chris, and we talk about Batman and make it really gay and really feminist more than it already is. Fabulous. Awesome. And, Can uh, confirm. And what about <laughs> you, Bronwyn? Tell us about your podcast with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also co-host a podcast with Chris. It's called Thirsty on Tune. It's on the Talking Comics feed. So you can find us on the socials at Thirsty on Tune. And where, yeah, if you don't make it gay, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you can find me on all the things social at Shiny Baby B. Fantastic. And uh, Ben, you want to remind people where they can find you online? 
Yes, you can find me at BenConComics.com. Uh, subscribe to my newsletter and make sure to pick up L. Campbell Wins Their Weekend out now in bookstores everywhere. So good. I absolutely loved it. Oh, thank you, TJ. Both of you, Jeremy, to Dog Night and both of your mm-hmm. books. Just I'm putting together a list for summer reading at my library and I have both of those on there. So Yay. hopefully they'll make the cut, but I really hope they will. Both excellent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, as for me, you can find me on Tumblr at jeremywhitley.tumblr.com. You can find me at Blue Sky, where I'm spending much more time than I am at Twitter now, at uh, Jeremy Whitley, uh, dot blue sky dot What the fuck ever, just Jeremy Whitley is fine. Uh, you'll <laughs> you'll find me. Yeah, you, and uh, of course, you can pick up my book, The Dog Night. It's in stores now. We are currently, as you're listening to this, a month away from the second book of School for Extraterrestrial Girls coming out from me and jamie noguchi which if you're listening to this you've probably heard us talk about jamie or talk with jamie just uh i think last week about godzilla nice yeah and of course i've also got uh instagram brain brain stop yes <laughs> instagram i'm also jrome58 and uh you can find me there and more more books to come next year we're getting ready to wrap up scary movie month uh, this is the fourth of our updates to old movies. We've got one more coming up next week as we will be talking about Evil Dead Rise, the latest in the Ooh, Evil Dead franchise. That's uh, Boy, Come that's on. a brutal one. So uh, I look forward to talking to y'all about it next week. Until next time, stay horrified. I have to have an assembly cut of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have that was the assembly cut. To.